uh, an amazing testimony. Um, really, all of the ones that we have shown so far, and, and there's so many more to go in this series, are such a testament to the fact that God is alive in these walls, and God's alive in our community, in our world, and he wants to help us change the world um, through his power. And so thank you, Graciela, for sharing that. Um, as Raph mentioned earlier, I was actually not in here, so I don't know what he said, but someone said he said something about me. Um, I'm excited to be here today. About a week and a half ago, I barged into Randy's office and said, hey, I want to preach that I am blessed. Is that okay? And he was like, uh, okay, sure, why not? Um, he said, okay, so he's very gracious to allow me to speak today. Um, and you're catching us at a great time in this uh, series that we're in called, uh, Who Am I? Who Am I? I know we all have different likes and dislikes and ambitions and dreams, um, and we all have a different story to tell. And so I could stand up here today and I could talk about how I am blessed, right? I'm blessed. I mean, take a look around, and I was, I was born in a wonderful family, had amazing parents and two siblings. I'm now married to a wonderful, beautiful wife. I have two amazing kids. I have this church family to call my own. I have an amazing ministry of, of volunteers who are helping to pour out God's love onto children. I could go on and on about a house I live in and cars I drive. The fact is, is that I am blessed, right? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And you look at social media. It's, it's in the top 100 words ever said on Twitter is the word blessed. Okay, so you see blessed everywhere, but I kind of feel like it's a little bit in vogue, right? So people are saying, hey, College, uh, college scholarship, hashtag blessed, right? It's kind of like that humble brag where you want to brag, but you also want to stay humble. <laughs> Unexpected raise, blessed, right? Wonderful family, blessed. Beautiful wife, blessed. Donuts, blessed. Let's, let's see a couple that are, uh, that are here on the screen that I found this week uh, from Twitter. Anthony Davis, this was from a couple years ago, had an unbelievable experience meeting President Obama at White House yesterday. Now off to the Kentucky Derby, hashtag blessed, right? All right, here's the donuts I was talking about. Blessed found Dunkin' Donuts in Berlin. That was not me. That was someone I just randomly found. This one got me, though. Seriously love my girl. She got me a pizza delivered uh, while I was at work. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> and because you can buy anything on a t-shirt, I went out this week and got, of course, the hashtag blessed t-shirt. I was going to wear it, but decided to go a little bit more formal today. Um, but you look everywhere and you see that people say that we're blessed and we attribute that blessing to many things. Maybe we attribute them uh, to God. Um, so we have some people here who feel like they are truly blessed today. But maybe there's some here who, who are feeling like their life has been uh, nothing but a downward spiral for a while. And so maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, does God really bless me? Does God truly love who I am? Maybe that's where you are today. Or maybe you're here trying to barter with God, saying, okay, if I go to this service, then God, you better bless me. Or if I suffer enough, God, then you better bless me. Or if I have a quiet time every day, if I give enough money, if I do enough things, God, then you better bless me, right? But what do we see about God in Genesis 1? Well, here's what we see. After, after God had made man and woman, Scripture says that God blessed them. That's what it says in Genesis 1. God is a good God who loves to bless. He delights in blessing his people. God is a father who doesn't withhold good gifts from his children. He loves and he cares for them and he's generous towards them. So that's the big idea, right? I hope, I hope that all of you today can sit here and say, I am blessed. But what about those blessings are eternal? What about the blessings of a house or a car? Because 100 years from now, those won't exist. What about the blessing of our family? Although it is an amazing, amazing gift that God gives us, at some point, those, those blessings go away. 
So what about these eternal blessings, these heavenly blessings that God says that he bestows upon us? That's when we turn into to Ephesians chapter 1. That's as we continue our series today. We look at the word that Paul wrote to, this, to the city of Ephesus. And Randy talked about last week Ephesus as a, as a community of about 250,000 people, about a quarter of a million people that were highly spiritual. When we say highly spiritual, that means that they love to worship idols. They felt like if they worship enough idols or the right idol or this certain idol, that they would bless them. But what we see when Paul came to town, when he delivered the gospel of Jesus, that these people were very receptive to that. In fact, it says that they gave away all of their divination, gave away all of their witchcraft. In fact, they burned 50,000 days worth of wages. But why? in order to be blessed, okay? So they were still missing part of that blessing. So we're going to open up into Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. That's our, that's our text today. Ephesians 1, chap, verses 3 through 14. And what we're going to do is we're going to unpack this section of Scripture. And in fact, in the original Greek text, this was one sentence. This was 202 words of one long run-on sentence. I don't know if there's any English teachers here, but you're going to have to bear with us today because this is one thought that Paul wanted to, to get across. And before we do that, I'm just going to take a moment and pray for us. Father, thank you for the blessing of this church, and, it, and it's your people who make it this church, God. It's, it's your spirit alive in them. I pray now as we dive into the word, I pray that you would open our hearts, you would open our minds, God, to be receptive, not only to what you're going to say through me, God, but to your blessings, to your eternal awesome blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. So this text is broken up into three sections, and that's three really large blessings that God wants to teach us today, and then we're going to talk about each one of those blessings having a subset of blessings below them, okay? Ready? Just bear with me. Let's go ahead and, and jump into Ephesians 1, 3 through 4. It says, <laughs> praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And it continues. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So as Paul states right away, this section of scripture the blessing is that we are chosen by the Father in Christ, okay? We are chosen by the Father in Christ. That's our identity, in Christ. Remember a couple weeks ago, Randy talked about in Christ. We are in Christ. Blessings are found in Christ and for those who are in Christ. Eleven times in the first 14 verses, Paul talks about being in Christ. And as you're reading and studying on your own and as you're here, take a mental or you can even underline in your Bible— all the times that it says in Christ, in Christ, in him, in the beloved, the whole thing that Paul's getting at is that we, our identity is found in Christ. So I ask you, are you in Christ? Because before the creation of the world, Scripture says that God chose you in him. Paul goes on to say that in love he predestined us. And it's funny because Randy came up to my office, he's like, all right, so how are you going to talk about predestination, Right? That's a, big, that's a big thing in our society. But predestined simply means being marked out beforehand. God made a choice to have a relationship with us before the creation of the world. And how did he want to have that? In Christ. 
He had a purpose that was eternal. Now, oftentimes when it comes to this issue of election or choosing or predestination, sometimes uh, we may hear or see that the Bible is talking about God picking us like at a playground game, like I want you, I want you, I don't want you, or maybe it's duck, duck, goose, like heaven, 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 hell, heaven, heaven, hell. Maybe you've thought that before, but you have to look at the context. And the text says that he predestined us what? In love. He predestined us in love. So whenever you do, whatever you do, connect predestination and love. And don't let it go to a wrong view of God who is cruel and cold-hearted and unloving. See, in love, he predestined us. And what that means is it doesn't matter how bad you are or how far you've gone or who you are or what you've done or how religious you are or how rebellious you are or what you failed to do or how ridiculous you are. God chose you. He saves you. He picks you. And he blesses you in Christ. Amen? That's good news. That's the good news. And I liken it to kind of my own kids. See, before I had them, before I knew who they were, before I changed a diaper or got up in the middle of the night, I loved them. I chose them as my own, right? I loved them before I knew what it was to to even be a father. And recently, Henry asked me, he said, so dad, why do you love me? And it's one of those questions where I was like, okay, if I say the wrong thing, he's going to be scarred for life. So I thought about it. We were sitting at a stoplight, and he kept asking me, like, why do you love me? Why do you love me? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, kid, calm down. <laughs> and so I thought about it, and I was thinking, okay, Henry, I love you because you're my son, because God made you, and because God made you and God loves you, then I love you. And I thought that was really good, and he just kind of like, okay. <laughs> and so um, a couple minutes later, I was thinking, okay. Your turn now. Henry, why do you love me? And he looks up at me. He's like, because I think you're cute. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. Well, if that's all it was, then I think you're cute too. Um, So Paul talks about how we are chosen by the Father in Christ. He goes on to say that we have the blessing of adoption, right? He's saying that God has adopted us. And this language it's really important because the whole concept of God being a father uh, is incredibly important. Fourteen times in the Old Testament, God is referred to as father, but it's always nationally. It's never individually. It's never personally. But everything changes when Jesus comes along. The whole relationship changes. Jesus teaches us how to have an intimate, personal, affectionate relationship with God, our father. He's like a dad who loves us. And more than 60 times in the New Testament, Jesus refers to God as Father. Teaches us to refer to him as Father. And some of you have been wrongly told because of spirituality that God is a force. You see, God's not a force. God is a Father. He's not impersonal. He's personal. He doesn't just give you power. He gives you himself. So to become a Christian... It's to have a new father. It's to have God as your father. It's to have a new family as the body of Christ as your family. And this is important. I don't want you to, to miss this because some of you don't have a family or had a, a horrible family. And we want you to know that God wants to be your father. And we as the body of Christ want to be your family. See, we want you to know that you were adopted and born again in the father in the family of God. See, I've been watching this TV show, This Is Us, and maybe some of you have. It's, it's one of my favorite, and I'm sorry I'm going to spoil this one thing. Um, but this family um, was pregnant with triplets, and so they were going to the hospital, right, to have their three babies. 
And unfortunately, one of the babies passed away during birth, so, so the family was down to two. Uh, but the doctor came up to the, to the husband, was consoling him, and said, this can still uh, be a happy ending. And of course, you don't know what that is yet. Um, but then a baby shows up at a doorstep, abandoned at a local fire station. And the firefighter decides to take it into the hospital, the same one where the family was having their babies. And so you see the three babies sitting there in the, in the nursery, and the father's asking who this, father, uh, who this baby's father is, and, because he sees the firefighter bring it in. And the firefighter said, no, it's, uh, someone left him. It's abandoned. And so what, what continues to happen is that the husband decides with the wife to adopt that third baby as their own, as not a replacement, but as a way to make their family whole after they lost a the baby. Um, but one of the awesome themes um, throughout that show is it so, shows just how caring and loving and tenderhearted and patient and kind the father is towards all three of his children, biological or not. It shows the father uh, cupping his son's um, head as he's having a panic attack, so tender and loving and breathing with him through that attack. It shows how he is such a, a loving and kind and encouraging father towards his little girl who is desperately trying to find her identity. And doesn't that just ring true in your soul? Like, that is amazing. That's beautiful. That kid did not have a family, and now he does. That kid didn't have a father, and now he does. Didn't have someone to care for him, and now he does. And through Jesus Christ, that is exactly what happens to you and to me. And so if you are in Christ today, you are adopted. You have a father named God who loves you and who cares for you and who blesses you and who listens to you. And I want you to have that type of relationship with him. That's why we exist. So first, Paul talks about how we are chosen by the Father in Christ. This next section of Scripture talks about how we are redeemed through the Son, through Jesus. This is the longest part of this passage, so just bear with me. Ephesians 1, 7 through 8 says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And again, I'll say this section of scripture talks about how we are redeemed through the Son. And with Paul, when he talks about these blessings, it's one after another after another. It's like a great firework display. It keeps getting bigger and bigger and more glorious, and it just continues. And he adds here the blessing of redemption. In our culture, oftentimes, we use the language of addiction, right? And in the Bible, you see addiction some, but you mostly see the language of slavery. And so when we're talking about being redeemed, we're talking about being redeemed from our addiction, from our slavery, from our sin. See, it's admitting that something has mastered us or enslaved us or is harming us or even destroying us, and we need redemption. We need to be freed. We need to be delivered and released. And here's the big idea. What he says is that when we have redemption through Jesus' blood, our faith is to be in the blood of Jesus that he has taken away our sin and the sin of the world. And if we have, are in Christ 
and we have trusted in the power of Christ's death, the wrath of God passes over us, and we are redeemed from our addictions and redeemed from our slaveries to worship him in freedom with a new life. And how we interact with our sin is very different. We no longer have to accept sin in our life because Jesus has redeemed us. And we can walk away with him in, from our slavery. We can walk away with him away from our slavery. And I don't know what it is that enslaves you. For some, it's food. And I've been on this Whole30 diet that I agreed with Molly that I would go on. And it's been um, kind of good, but it's, it's uh, no grains, no dairy, no sugar, pure torture. Okay, that's, that's the four things. Pure torture. It's learning how to eat whole and healthy. And I'm like, um, that's overrated. But it's, it's, um, I've, I've realized how much food has enslaved me, how much I am emotionally bound to food. Like anytime I'm sad or upset or bored, I just go to food. That's what I want to eat something. And I haven't been able to do that. In fact, last Sunday, some of our leaders brought in some donuts, brought in six dozen donuts. And I was forced to cut up six dozen donuts. And I wasn't even allowed to lick my fingers. And he's talking about pure torture. Uh, but it's opened my eyes to how food in particular can enslave me and how important it is for me not to have that in my life. For some, it may be comfort, or some, it may be possessions, or money, or sex, or fame, or power, or glory, or control. I don't know what it is that your thing is, but whatever has mastered you, whatever has ruled you, Jesus has come to free you. And by the grace of God, you can walk with him in a brand new life today. And that is the blessing of redemption. So he talks about being chosen by the Father. He talks about in love being predestined. He talks about having redemption. He talks about being adopted. And next, he talks about the blessing of grace. And in some ways, the blessing of grace is what ties in all the blessings that God wants to give us, the, the, the temporary ones and the eternal ones. Have you ever been with someone who's, like, really generous? Like, sometimes you couldn't even fathom giving that away. Like, when you used to go out with your grandpa, maybe, and he would be like, oh, get that four scoop of ice cream. That's okay. Maybe, like, that type of grandpa. The type who, like, is willing to give and give and give and never grow tired of that, that is our Father God. He's lavish with his grace. God's not stingy with his grace. God's a giver. That's who he is. So let me try to explain the grace of God to you. Does God love the world, the whole world? Yes, he does. Does God pour out his love, his unmerited favor, his generosity, kindness, and provision on all people? Yes, he does. But then this, there's this special grace. There's this extra layer of his grace, a unique and saving grace for those of us who accept that. You see, everyone kind of gets the common grace, I could say, but it's those people who choose to accept his special grace that are doubly blessed. See, common grace is for all people, but special grace is exclusively for those who are in Christ. And so if you're in Christ today, you've been doubly blessed. He's lavished grace upon grace on you. He's lavished common grace and special grace on you. And I think sometimes in, in Christianity, especially for me, we become so familiar with words that they lose their meaning and we cease to be astounded by them. See, God isn't asking for you to give to him enough. He's asking you to receive him. And he gives himself to you as a gift. Then he takes up his life in you, and he changes you. And the grace starts to come through so that his grace might be seen to others. It's an amazing life. It's a supernatural life. 
So let me ask you this. Where are the evidences of God's grace in your life? How has God been gracious to you? What things has he provided you? What things has he saved you from? You'll see what you're looking for. I know there's a number of us who are married or, or even dating uh, in this room. And it's true for me. If, if I want to see my spouse's love to me and I'm looking for it, I'll see it, right? But if I want to see the ways that she does not love me or if I want to choose to be bitter or angry with her and I'm looking for it, I'll find it. And so that is true with our relationship with God. If you take God at his word, again in Genesis 1, that God blesses us, then you'll start looking for the ways that God has blessed you in your life. And guess what? You'll find them. And what I would encourage you to do is to write them down, to take an account of them so you can remind yourself. You can remind others of the blessings of God in your life. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here for us. He's recording it. So if you look at the blessings that we've touched on, again, being chosen, being predestined in love, being adopted, redeemed, it's all what? It's all grace. And then there's this empowering grace that helps you live a new life like Christ and with Christ and for Christ and through Christ. What this means is the way that we treat one another is best summed up and only summed up and sourced in one word, in grace. So he then proceeds to talk about the blessing of being redeemed through the Son with his forgiveness. And I know I can I kind of feel like this is a lot. Like I know that we're, we're kind of moving and we're not necessarily breaking down the scripture. But this is so amazing because it's blessing, 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 blessing. And he's trying to unpack all of these blessings so that you and I would know just how blessed we are. So hang in there with me. The blessing of being redeemed through the Son with his forgiveness. So what haunts you? What do you bring in here today as baggage? What do you regret? Looking back at your life, if I were to ask you, what would be one thing you wish you could do over again? Would you know what that thing might be? I think most of us could come to that pretty immediately because we feel that shame or we feel that condemnation or maybe we're still living in light of the implications or complications uh, that came through that sin. See, as a people, we need to be forgiven. It says in Scripture that we're forgiven for our trespasses. It's talking about our sin there. When God draws a line and we cross it, that's sin. When God says no and we do it, that's sin. Sometimes we think that God's got this thing wrong. Our God is withholding. And then when we sin, we realize that ours is a good father. And when he tells us to do something, it's good. And when he tells us not to do something, it's because it's bad. And then we, re we regret being so foolish and rebellious. One of Jesus' final words from the cross is, Father, forgive them. So if you are in Christ today, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. You're forgiven of everything you've ever done and everything you will do. You are forgiven. I want you to feel that. You are forgiven. I want the Holy Spirit to enable and empower you to feel that. See, today the Lord Jesus wants you to know that he forgives you for whatever you've done. And he means it. You are forgiven. It's a blessing, right? It doesn't need to be paid back. It means that we don't need to suffer. It means we don't need to do anything because Christ has already done everything. When he died on the cross, he paid the full debt for our sin. And when he says that we're forgiven, we take him at his word that we're forgiven. So he continues, and this is quite a sentence. In him we have received an inheritance. An inheritance. And we're going to touch on this a little bit in the, in the next section. 
But one of the cool things, my, my grandmother gave me a commentary uh, two weeks ago, and she didn't know I was going to be speaking, but I've used that commentary. It's actually from, I think, the 1960s that she used um, in her walk. She would, she would read some scripture and then go to the commentary and read it and then read some scripture. So there's highlights and notes in there. It's really cool. And one of the things that the commentary said is that when he's talking about inheritance, yes, he's talking about our relationship with God in heaven. The kingdom of God is coming, and we get to be, have an inheritance, which is his presence in our lives. But here's the cool thing. The, the language flips, and it says this is a spiritual inheritance, but we are God's inheritance. That we're able to partake on some, of some of this inheritance on earth through his kingdom, seeing some of the things that he's doing in and through our lives. But we're going to see so much more of this inheritance when we get to heaven one day. So we're chosen by the Father in love. We're redeemed by the Son. And the third way that he blesses us, the, the third set of the scripture, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are sealed by and with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this, And you also were included in Christ, there it is again, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The final blessing Paul's talking about is being sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now in Paul's day, if you had a possession, you put your seal on it or your name on it and that marked it as yours. And some people still do this. They'll put their name on something or they'll tag something uh, to identify it as their possession. We were going through, my siblings and I, some, some random things that were in a closet at my parents' house a couple weeks ago. And we would set everything out in the middle of the floor. And because we're sports people, we'd have like a draft, right? Like my older sister got to go first and pick what she wanted. And then I'd go and then my younger brother. And so we would trade, trade turns trying to figure out, okay, I want that, I want that, I want that. But the kicker was, if someone's name had been written in it from when they were little, that was automatically theirs, okay? It was like they got dibs on that. And that's exactly what God does to us. We are God's possession. He's marked his name on us because we belong to the Lord. And so if you're a Christian, you're in Christ, you belong to God. Your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. You belong to the Lord, and he has put his seal upon you as his possession, the seal of the Holy Spirit. So it starts with God the Father, moves through God the Son, and here it's God the Holy Spirit. The whole Trinity is involved. So our blessing is from the Father, through the Son, and by the Spirit. And the Spirit, he comes and marks us as God's possession. And here's what that is. We, were, we mentioned it earlier. This is a guarantee of our inheritance. Now again, there is blessing in this life, to be sure. But much of our blessing is awaiting us in the kingdom of God forever. The Holy Spirit is God. He empowered the earthly life of the Lord Jesus. And before Jesus returned to earth, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send you the Holy Spirit. When God's people gathered early in the book of Acts, they wanted to go out and do ministry. And Jesus said, not yet. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power. And then the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit gave God's people power of Jesus to live a life in Christ. Here's what I want you to know about the Christian life. It's not the life that you live for God. It's the life of God live through you. You can never do enough apart from God on your own. It's Jesus sending the Holy Spirit to cause you to become a new person in Christ and to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that there won't be effort 
on your behalf. But it's the Holy Spirit-enabled, grace-empowered effort. And it's God's life for you. It's God's life in you and through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. His power works in us to transform us. And what we experience now is just a taste of the total change that we will experience in eternity. And lastly, he says why. And let me ask you, why would God do all this? Why would God shower us with blessing? I mean, that's a lot of blessing, right? Blessed in Christ by being chosen, predestined in love, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, filled with grace, and sealed by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Why would God do this? He tells us three times, just in this text. Ephesians 1, 6, 1, 12, 1, 14. To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. And so I'm going to close now with an illustration that I borrowed from a fellow preacher. This is super serious. All theology is cat theology or dog theology. Okay? Cat theology or dog theology. So let's say there's this cat and there's this dog and they're owned by the same owner. Okay? They're both uh, given the same comfortable bed. They eat great food, groomed by the best vet. They're loved and petted and cared for. And they're spoiled. In every way, both the same. The cat thinks, I must have, be an amazing and valuable cat, right? I must be an amazing and valuable cat. The dog thinks, I must have an amazing and valuable owner, right? Do you get the difference? Anyone think that in their own lives? So Journey Church, we have dog theology. And so oftentimes in our world, it's cat theology. God loves you. God died for you. God blessed you. God has eternity for you. God has a new nature for you, an eternal home for you. Look how amazing you are. Look how valuable you are and how important you are. That's cat theology. I'm here to say, look how great God is. Look at all that God has done. Look at all that God still promises to do. To live for the praise of his grace is not to think God does all this so that his people could see us as glorious. God does all this so that I might tell everyone how glorious he is, how loving he is, how generous he is, how compassionate, how merciful, how kind, how long-suffering, how affectionate, how wonderful our master is. Amen? Amen. God's greatest blessing always rests in God himself. When we have that, we are truly blessed. For we've been chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to ask you today, those of you who are not in Christ, those of you who have not received his gift, what are you waiting for? What's holding you back? The greatest blessing that we can ever receive is in the form of Jesus. And all other eternal blessings are only found in him. And for those of us who call ourselves Christians, who are following Jesus, I beg that we would never cease to be astounded and amazed at the blessings that we receive in him. Sure, the temporary blessings are amazing, but the eternal blessings that he offers are unfathomable. The blessings that we receive are not just for this life, but for eternal life. Let's pray. I thank you, God, that even when we find ourselves in circumstances, as Paul did, often suffering, lonely, isolated, scared, hurting, struggling, we will see what we're looking for. 
And if we take your word as truth, that you are a God who, who's blessed us, and we start to recount the blessings in our lives, we will find our morning turned into praising. And Lord God, for some of us today who are feeling exceedingly blessed, God, I just thank you. I pray that we would know that it is for the praise of your glorious grace so that we could tell others how wonderful our master is, how loving he has been, how generous he is, and how kind he is. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that it says over and over, 11 times in the first 14 verses, all of this blessing is in Christ. And so Christ, we thank you for being our blessing. We thank you for being the source of all our blessings. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. And in just a moment, we're going to take the opportunity to pause and to reflect and to enter at the feet of Jesus and to connect with him. For some, maybe this is the first time. For some, maybe it's been a long time since you've connected with him, or, or some, maybe it's just been since this morning. But we're going to take communion, and that is a way for us to connect with the Father, to thank him for his sacrifice through his Son, and to ask for forgiveness and to approach him with the spirit of gratitude for his grace. So as we're going to do that, I just pray to ask you, where do you see God's blessings in your life? How has he showered them on you today? And then how can you, in turn, use that for his glory? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for... Uh, a brief pause in our busy, crazy lives to, to approach you and to be able to, to call you Father. God, to be able to talk to you and to know that you're listening and you care for us and you're kind. And God, I pray for if there's anyone here who's not accepted that today, God, that today would be the first time. And I pray that if it's been a while that we've connected with you, that we would be stirred by the Holy Spirit, that you've already marked us as your possession, that we would return to you today in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.